0: Radio Free and an Ixxundraconis fan podcast broadcasting from the North Pole of Mars. This is Radio Free Deimos, episode 62, A Christmas Grab Bag. This week's episode is a bit different from what we've done before, but it's something I hope can be a podcast tradition. We asked members of the Ixundraconis community to record little bits and pieces of winter holiday game world stuff, short essays, articles, fiction, game seeds to help make an audio magazine loosely themed about Christmas, the end of the year, and lighting a candle in the darkness. Big thanks to everyone who helped make this possible. Oh, and once again, the bumpers for this episode come from the audiobook of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I hope they add an element of seasonal incoherence to this particular pot of hot chocolate.
1: Oh ho, ho! Old Santa's been down some pretty tight chimneys.
0: We'll start with two voices from the Ixun Draconis playtest community. If you've followed any of the games from the official ASD channel, you've met them as players and GMs. Starting with some thoughts from Ali on Christmas and Soul, and a piece from Sammy on Coming Home. Manimi, would you chime them in?
2: Hello. My name's Ali. You may have seen me in past games run by uh, Severus or Cadbury, known as Sam, where I played such characters as Daydreamer, Bep, or Mindy. I'm here to tell you a little bit about what I think the HSD holidays would be like, and how they get to that point. There's always a challenge in trying to figure out how things will be in the future. Time itself has a great impact. You need only look how our treatment of holidays has changed over the last 50 years to see how things shift, let alone the 700-odd-year span of HSD. Species and cultural handover of Earth-based humanity to its Martian vector successor only complicates this further. You could argue many things, Would the vector's creators on Mars try and preserve their holidays and hand them down? Already by this point the holidays may have changed, through simple passage of time. Perhaps by this point Christmas has lost most of its religious tones, as it seems to be happening gradually in modern times. Perhaps the largely scientific minds dealing with the newborn vectors will try and abandon that entirely. Or, perhaps they'll revitalise it, just to give this new race some fairytale magic in their lives. There's a countless amount of could-bes, maybes and perhapses, Uh, So many scenarios that could alter this situation in any way. So in the end, I'd say do what you want. Most every scenario can be logically argued, which means ultimately, near all are equally sound. Now that we've established that any method is acceptable, by my thinking at least, perhaps I could go into how I'd do it. First off, I'm a big believer in things remaining yet altering over time. Whether through interference such as ancient pagan holidays being adapted by Christianity, or the more natural progression over time, such as the slow loss of those religious uh, inferences, or the said same holidays. That being said, I'd probably have a winter festival in my HHD games. Given the corporate dystopian nature of it, it feels only natural to enhance the focus on gift-giving of buying products for others that already exist in Christmas now. I personally think that human factor relations would have had more of a focus on the morality and giving aspects, rather than the fables of a fat, jotting man journeying from the North Pole to bring prisons down your chimney. Young, inquiring minds in the scientific environment, such as the newborn factors in the human labs, would start poking holes in that very quickly. What stories that would be told, I could see being forgotten over time. So... A corporate holiday with the emphasis of gift-giving to bring joy in the, to the winter months. Except we have planets with different biospheres and different yearly rotations. It's easy enough to imagine them setting the holidays by their own calendar, but what of planets such as Mercury? It's hard to imagine the dawn and dusk march paying attention to the concept of seasons when they don't really exist on that planet. The same could be said for Europa. What about ship-based or station families? No winter on stations unless artificially created, and I honestly don't see stations dropping the station temperature for a few months just for the concept of a festival, nor factors used to the conveniences of regulated temperatures wanting that. So, perhaps there would be less emphasis on the seasonal cycle. It's no longer the remnants of winter solstice holiday, but now the remnants of a gift-giving holiday. Time of year be damned. For the sake of player enjoyment, I'd likely still set this in the winter months on what planets have them but that'd largely, by, largely be a coincidence in my sector society. Each planet would likely end up adopting its own quirks and traditions, might even have their own names for the holiday. Stations could be based on the calendar of their closest planet, or what their populace originates from in its majority, or simply the Martian cycle. So that covers what i do with Christmas. But I don't see HSC just having our holidays adapted. Holidays make money, and what's one thing want the corpse love above anything else? I can see each planet, each corp town, even having its own vast array of major, minor, and micro holidays throughout the year. If you really wanted to play it up, exaggerate a bit, you might have a hard time finding a day where there isn't some kind of holiday going on, whether they go observed or not. Happy Lateral Feline Day! Remember to bring in your feline lateral friend to Burger Sovereign for a 5% discount and an exclusive collector's pin for only 10 credits. Remember to come in this weekend for our post-sponsored Fight Burger to celebrate Flexania, the holiday to recognise all the advances in genetic muscle improvement. Next Tuesday celebrates last year's grand reopening of the local Generico branch. Remember to bring in last year's defective launch model to get 50% off the new BEP unit. Just continue like that. Go, new holiday, new place... Have fun with it. Uh, so to wrap up this rambling, yeah, do include holidays in your setting. Whether you want to preserve our human traditions in the far-flung future, or to come up with a multitude of wacky holidays that eclipse our own, there's no wrong way to do it. As long as you and your players are having fun.
3: Hi. I was asked to uh, give my input on the Hicks uh, of Zircones end of year celebrations, holidays, uh, whatnot. Um, I was Sammy Cadbury Ethel Caldwell in uh, many of uh, Pierce Frazier's games and some of my own that I ran for testing and such like that. So um, I'm just going to give my little bit of input and my little bit of insight of what I'd like to see or what I would probably do in my own games. I, I realize that the events of HSD happen so many hundred years in the future that in a melting pot of a society that forms over gosh knows how long across so many different planets, stations, and adventures, life change is going to be huge. But I think that there will be some messages that say there will be some inklings of things that happen but i think a lot of it will change as a result of court messaging and the lifestyles that happen just like our own holidays change one thing that i kind of fell in love with the idea of was since the very nature of how corporate life happens for these vectors and these cogs and you know that their life has changed so drastically for what what is normal for a home life for anybody was it becoming kind of a homecoming day. It's it's home for the holidays sort of thing, as you come home to your family and your friends. And it would be something that kind of may have gotten started on the corpse side because uh, it's kind of, you know, something in the lore that I picked up was that when you have children in Hooks uh, of Intraconus, it's tended to be that your work doesn't really want you to take any immediate time off, perhaps. Um, It's kind of complicated for them to deal with the fact that you're suddenly going to have to have those late nights with a crying baby that doesn't know how to eat, doesn't know how to do various motor skills, communicate, and things like that. So they basically put them in a little happy care facility for you, plug them in, and teach them how to be people until they're old enough for you to get to have the fun parts of raising a child. And it sounds kind of callous and terrible, but I mean, this is you know, this, this is a, a, a corporation future and this is their designs. And I, I thought about it and I was like, if I was DMing a game and we were going to explore this a bit, I would go, well, my corp wouldn't just simply do that at any random interval. They would encourage you to try and hold off to a specific set of months so that way they can run the facility at maximum efficiency for one. For two they can offer a bunch of and this is me doing you can't see the finger quotes about this of uh, sales. There they can uh, actually prepare and have a mass marketing campaign of newly designed this season only exclusive childcare items. Like you, you, could have this year's you know fun bouncy ball with comes in these fancy crazy you know shapes and colors and transmorphic whatever's that that's limited time only good this year and. Commemorate bringing home your little one with just this small gosh darn product. But I, I could see that. It would be a product placement of how you would do family. And in, in, a, in its own way, it would also try to encourage family. So in, if I was to run this in a game, I'd say probably sometime early October going through sometime January would basically be home for the holidays for a majority of corpse. and more corpse would adopt it as it happens because it spreads around and starts to get this big thing of everybody wants to get in on running a sale. I mean it, and sales were like such a big thing for the humans back in the day. I mean it was one thing they did across pretty much all their different religions and types and beliefs is the sales. So I mean I could see that kind of being a thing. so they'll, they'll run a sale. They'll market a whole bunch of events or items and things like that. You can get from home for the holidays. And then it carries on each year after you've brought home your adorable little bundle of joy because you commemorate them becoming part of your family. And that's interesting to me to explore that because in HSE we have such a different set of relationships. Like contracts are being used for marriage in a very different way it's more or less the uniting of material goods and such instead of a you know more traditional thought of this is for romance only it's 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 contractually marriage was is basically just the joining of your assets and my assets in this future timeline so it made me wonder how do the families end up forming and this way it's kind of a it's more of an optional thing it's something that is part of you're opting in to have this child have these people in their lives and you commemorate that every year and that would be something kind of fun to do and it gives a little bit of extra depth and the neat thing about it is you can also go into the fact that there are going to be the children who are born in the off season and they might be a little bit resentful of home for the holidays or whatever you know they call the big baby sale um there's also going to be the blips because you're a designer child you probably don't necessarily fall during the three to four winter months that they've decided that, you know, children come out and your, your relationship with your, quote, parents might not be the same as the relationship other Vector children might have with theirs. But I, I do like the idea of it, it kind of being a reflection of home and family and stuff like that. And, you know, the thing I uh, personally I can relate to, which is, you know, always having to get back together with your family. um, no matter how far you've drifted apart, and no matter how strange and different your opinions might be of various things, sitting around a table together for a few hours because, gosh darn it, it's the holidays, and that's something I want to inflict upon Vector Kind for hundreds and hundreds of years in the future. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't actually know if I really think of the gift-giving thing as something that would continue. Uh, maybe it would be something for spoiling your progeny, sort of thing, but I'm not sure if it, if it Quite fits as a global thing, but I, I I think a lot of the different religious takes would be so watered down and spread thin over so many different corners of the world that it it would change drastically. But so basically, my thoughts are in the future. Look forward to the corporation deciding on an amazing sale day when you and your family can partake in celebrating the sale day that you came home. Happy holidays, everybody!
1: Ho, 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 ho. Turn around. Very well made, too.
0: A couple of adventure seeds and encounters now. Tygon, an HSD playtester and guide, joins me in Voltaire Station to talk about Black Friday and a short piece on Frostival, adapted from the Radio Free Demos HSD Codex. Oh, uh, So, hello, Tygon. It's been a while since we've played together. Hello. And a merry holiday of choice to you.
4: Uh, to you as well. And to anybody who's listening.
0: <laughs> so we are going to talk Black Friday today.
4: Yes, indeed we are. This whole idea I had came up when I forgot who someone in the HSD Discord channel brought up Black Friday. And you know, the other question, how, how does that look like in Seoul?
0: I think the question of like what holidays does Seoul have rolls around once every two or three months or so. It's kind of a a go-to.
4: Yeah, whenever a real-life holiday comes up, probably. I I brought up an idea back then, just just to give a bit of uh, background. I I did put some thought into this because I was thinking the, the stereotypical Black Friday, and I should mention that this could fit into any holiday because I imagine any holiday in... Seoul is very, very heavily commercialized.
0: Right. One thing that Sev kind of established is that holidays are more or less based on seasonal pushes and seasonal scarcities rather than religious observances.
4: Yeah, which uh, considering the whole background does make sense. So I, I, I was thinking that the very, very stereotypical Black Friday thing is people trampling over each other to buy stuff. How would that happen in Seoul? Because I honestly think that the corporations would be smart enough not to let that happen. I I am known for seeing this very, very positively. I I admit that, you know? Yes. No question about this.
0: I have come to expect it from you.
4: (laughs) Um, At least, apparently, I'm consistent. But but yeah, I, I, I honestly think that normally wouldn't happen. Because, you know, like I said, I think the corporations are smart enough not to let it happen. And if, if you have a really gung-ho marketing department, they might think the tagline, like, our customers are killing each other to buy our stuff, is a good idea, but legal probably would have words with them.
0: Right. You'd want hype, but not actual physical harm.
4: Yeah. And, and there's also the factor that, at, at least for the most part, normal shops aren't a thing.
0: What do we have instead?
4: Uh, Well, we have buy spots.
0: Ah, right. Press your toggle to a window and see what happens.
4: Yeah. And if if there are sales, you probably would have lines at those. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, But you could could also probably just order it online and you might have to wait a week instead of a day, but you'd still get your stuff for for sale. But then I remembered the idea of flash sales. I, I don't know how active you are on Steam. If, if you are, you might remember they used to have this. That during a sale, like a big winter sale, stuff would be on sale, of course. But every day for a few hours, certain items, in this case games, of course, were on an extra big discount. Which, as it turned out, all in all, wasn't such a good idea. Because people wouldn't actually buy things. They would hold out until the very end of the sale. Because they were hoping, no, it could be on a flash sale, so I get an even better discount.
0: Oh, well, that's unexpected. <laughs> it seemed and, like a uh, good idea.
4: <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, but uh, it's, it it's ended up making everybody feel kind of bad. Because at first you were exciting. Oh, yeah, sales starts. I can finally buy all the things I wanted to. But then you go, oh, no, wait. I, sh- I, I should wait because I could get an even better deal out of it.
0: And then the opportunity passes you by.
4: Exactly. You know? So they eventually did away with that. But I was thinking that could actually be applied to buy spots. How would it come to? Because like I said, I am convinced that the corporations are smart enough not to do this. And so the scenario I came up with is you have somewhere in, let's say, a Moscow subsidiary that does maintenance for the buy spots in the entire city. You have a poor, probably underappreciated and underpaid employee sitting somewhere who is pr- probably some interface thing.
0: I-, I can imagine it like I was there.
4: <laughs> and some big holiday comes around. Let's just go with Black Friday because that's what this uh, inspired all this. And says, hey, we need a new theme for Black Friday, which is in like three days. Take care of it. I mean, he, he or she, let's, let's not assume anything here, of, of course, does this, you know, probably not happy about it because very short deadline, a lot of work. Maybe they had time off scheduled and they have to cancel that now. Yeah. But during their work, they discover that with all the permissions they have been given to actually do, the, do this work, they can actually have some limited authority to set sales. And so they get this idea of, you know, basically flash sales. That at random times and random buy spots in the city, things will get an even greater discount for a limited amount of time. And they're just probably thinking, hey, this is going to be awesome. People will discover this and they're going to be happy that they're getting an even better deal. And it will be like a little Easter egg account.
0: I feel like there's a but here somewhere.
4: <laughs> but you, you're completely right. There's a, there's a, there's a very big butt here because they, they, they have this great idea or what they think is a great idea, they're obviously not telling anybody, they're just implemented. They do this and people discover it, but in an age that's even more connected than our real age, within probably moments, everybody knows about this. And now everybody goes out and searches, now where is the bias where we can get the great deal? Now, chaos ensues.
0: whole lot of buzz all at once. Yep. This really does feel like something that ASR or TTI might have done. They both have this kind of discovery culture built into them.
4: That, that is that is that is true. You're not wrong. Uh, TTI does this when when they come up with a with a new fancy bio probe that does something interesting. This is is, is true. Well, of course, yeah, people immediately people discover this. They immediately go to their social media, to their Facebook or whatever they have. <laughs> And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not good at coming up with names. And uh, of course, immediately people show up. And v- very quickly, they discover how this works. You know, uh, random buy spots. These sales show up for, I don't know, an hour or so. so. Some people probably, you know, just organize and immediately tweet when they find something. But then a lot of people are going to show up and a lot of people are going to want the sale. And there's probably some people who are willing to throw a few punches to get to it.
0: So there's where the frenzy comes in.
4: Yes, exactly. That's uh, what I'm probably not the first to come up with this term, but what I have to come call sales riots.
0: <laughs> okay, so as a backdrop for your characters getting involved in a holiday, we suddenly have surge and energy and chaos all lying in wait for them.
4: Exactly. What I think is uh, is kind of interesting about this uh, scenario is um, it has kind of elements that are almost like a hot zone, but for one, without actually having to set one up, you can't always have corporations fighting each other. Maybe it's something that happens every day, but I imagine it doesn't.
0: Yeah, there's no rivalry here at all. There's just fervor.
4: Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that makes this interesting, the danger here does not come from enemy combatants, but from civilians, so the players can just open fire. I mean they can, but it's probably not a good idea. It's tacky. A little, yeah. There's a lot of things you can do with this. It can be just a, a, a backdrop, or if somebody wants to put their players in such a situation.
0: So if you're trying to get that one computer part you really need during the holiday rush, this is what you have to face <laughs> off with.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couldn't be a lot. You know, maybe maybe the players are part of the mob. You know, like you said, there's a Computer part They always wanted, and they hmm. just read. Oh, they just read on the other side of the city. They can get it for like eighty five percent off. Now we gotta get there. Now we gotta actually get to the buy spot where they have it.
0: Or if you really want to lock up your corporate rivals, you bribe the person that's making the the buy spot drops to localize the Frenzies in chaos where you need some distractions.
4: Yeah, definitely.
0: I like this idea as a way to add a certain level of holiday craziness to a city backdrop without leaning on kind of the standard uh, us versus them court versus corp battles. It keeps it light and seasonal and silly and doesn't go down those dark roads so much.
4: It could go down a dark road, of course, but it doesn't have to. Well, thank you so much Tigon, and
0: It is always neat to hear from you and uh, stay warm, sir.
4: I will certainly try to. Um, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Be well. Bye-bye. The celebration of Frostival is one of Seoul's oldest holidays, continuing apparently without a miss to old Terra. But if you don't hail from ASR, you may have missed it. It's kind of a Solnet thing. The growth of internet culture was a big turning point in Terran history. After years of communities that were defined by place, by the middle of the 21st century, anyone could participate in a shared hallucination of togetherness, even if they were a thousand miles apart. Long before then, Frostival was born. It was a time to trade virtual and IRL gifts, gather in virtual tribes, show off battle scars, and engage in icy winter plots and extended dance loops. It rolled around a bit less than twice a year. Things change, things remain the same. As the Corp Town Cold War heated up, the low threat, low bandwidth virtual gaming world was a safer place to gather than most serious social media channels. The virtual corp Lorica had merged the popular online games into a single multiverse, and kept Frostable alive, standardizing its odd nine-month cycle. The game even survived communication blackout between Earth and Mars. It was kind of a feeble link between hemivectors and their Terran families, and really too harmless to kill off. And there was the apocalypse. Lorica's distributed network was slow, but it was self-sustaining, even as Hellfire took out the major communication hubs. When Frostival came, each user that dropped carrier over the game year was reflected with a ghostly avatar, the lost outnumbered the living, and the holiday took on a somber, sad tone. After the war, the survivors remembered and kept in touch, old installs of Lorica linking friends together. Sixty-odd years later, Pulse and ASR resurrected the tradition as a pop-culture celebration, rolling out winter-themed events in virtual spaces about three times a Martian year, and the cheerfully inane holiday brought a surge of virtual world gifts and buy-spot tokens. And yet, even if it's a lighthearted joke, Frostival always turns dark. After the fall of Luna Colony, another round of ghostly avatars haunted the icy shared game space. This is probably an easter egg left by an anonymous programmer. Today, Frostival is a tongue-in-cheek holiday, but its legacy is deep. It links worlds and centuries... It links worlds and centuries, a moment of peace and ceasefire in a war-torn virtual universe. And somehow, echoes of those long years still linger in the virtual winter wind. A few plot seeds. Officially, transmissions from Terra ended centuries ago, but the Lorica network has always been haunted, particularly in the winter. Less so now after the ruby sea spread across Terra. But it was never entirely silenced. Glitches and ghosts from Terra tend to invade the system around Frostaville. They rarely interact beyond stock NPC responses and outdated dance loops, sometimes referencing memes that predate Solnet by a century or more. ASR says it's a feature, not a bug, but no one has really confessed to coding that one yet. Solnet is full of net legends and strange rumors. One big one concerns the purge of the old Lorica network. In AE50 or so, the emerging ASR corporation went through huge pains to wipe out the original shared world system, even sending hunter-killer bots through Solnet. The Year 50 Purge is still a running joke, one that's tangled up in a web of ancient conspiracies. There are still a few recordings of game streams from the moment Hydra was released. The Lorica system glitched massively that day, unleashing a number of quest-only disaster scenarios, laying out virtual devastation without regard to character level, lethality preference settings, or world theming. And significantly, these ancient logs suggest that these apocalyptic errors occurred at the same time. Now, that's a trick, when there's a 5 or 10 minute latency between Terra and Mars. Now, no living vector witnessed this. Hoaxes happen, sure. But the idea that a tendril of a malicious AI accidentally invaded a game world that was a live link between two planets is a compelling story. Thankfully, Lorica 1.0 has been purged, and no corporation in their right mind would archive a copy of a game that might or might not contain a world-killing virus. Right? Some major themes of Frostful. Humor. It's a big joke. It's a fake holiday in a fake world, not even tied to a planet anymore. In a sense, it's the ultimate commercial holiday. History. And yet, it's gone on for centuries, and it was created by the community. Any real effort to change it fails. The cultural momentum of an event with perhaps a thousand years of history is too strong. Mysterious. There are elements of Frostable that ASR denies owning. The Frostable ghosts, that's one. The way the game world seems to reflect the darkest moments of soul, that's another. The metagame's staggered calendar has coincidentally placed Frostable at the same time as five of the mass suicides in Europa. Some of the quests that have launched in the winter have been from games that have gone unsupported for centuries, creating mass journeys into abandoned and commercially non-viable worlds. And these are strange things that no one owns up to. Of course, the powers that be may just have a special interest in keeping Frostable weird, but that's not as compelling a story. In all, Frostable is still kind of magical in a very scientific world, and is a bit of unknown in the middle of the mundane. Like Christmas, it's haunted by ghosts and slowly builds up its own stockpile of legends. There's just enough mystery surrounding the holiday to be worth believing in.
5: Where are they? Drifting around in space with the rest of the space junk?
0: So, if you're not much of a fan of the three-guys-on-a-couch style of podcast, skip the next seven minutes, 30 seconds or so. The Radio Free Demos hosts get together for what we'll generously call an unstructured conversation about a Christmas-themed minicorp. Minimi, uh, restore Let's Build a Snow Corp from Recycle Files and Play. I'm going to go warm up my space wassail. So, this little bit, I think we're going to call uh, Would You Like to Build a Snow Corp? It's... Oh, don't sigh at me. <laughs> oh, <I'm gonna laughs> you sigh. married into the bad puns years <laughs> ago. Did. So it's definitely the season for something. We're not sure which, but consensus is that 750 AE has some very commercial holidays, and we are going to have a brief discussion about the possibility of a Christmas and holiday mini corp. Don't get all excited. So I guess uh, important things first, uh, what are we going to call this beast? Any ideas? I'm floating Wasil TD. No? North Star. North. Oh, that's that's better. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> but definitely the logo sells itself. Yeah. So, let's see. We are, uh, we threw, we threw this around in our, like, private little developer chat for the podcast as a thing that almost certainly exists somewhere in Seoul already. I'm thinking it might be a Lumen subsidiary, because Santa has that whole faster than light thing happening already. Uh, it's difficult to be across all of Seoul in no time at all. So I think this might be a whimsical spin-off, spinoff uh, and therefore sets up a logical opposition to Mars Go 2, which might be usefully played down the road. Or Santa has really good marketing. Santa does have really good marketing, but still the money has to come from somewhere because that's a lot of presents. Uh-huh. Capture
6: their hearts straight to the wallet.
0: <laughs> Capture their hearts and experiment with them would be something Oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ho, ho, children, Santa's coming. Get the Vitae. <gasps> Corporate mascots. The obvious choice would be someone in a big red suit. I want to kind of steer away from there. I thought the obvious choice would be reindeer. Eight, eight, eight of them? <laughs> or, the,
1: or the holiday blip.
0: No, I want to get back to what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the holiday blip. That's, that's
0: very it's general, like the, sir. Like
1: the, the, the lesson of Rudolph is that, remember, your hideous deformity is, is okay if it's seasonally appropriate or useful. So you're like half reindeer, half
0: tree, sort of pine scented? I want to go back to eight tiny reindeer. I'm really more comfortable with this. It's good that the micros are getting work. Okay. Green, hairless and ugly, but with a really big heart. Wait no no it's horrible <laughs> no my my mascot is just is is three guys uh it's not really very well fleshed out but I think that the basic message of the three ghosts of Christmas is going to be the the single thing that lingers furthest into uh 700 AE much longer than any actual religious story because it's on every single program and sitcom that has ever been recorded so we've got the past and the present
1: but never can't find that third guy well that's because you're not moving fast enough Lumen can help. Well, yeah, I'm I'm coming back to the enormous heart that grew three sizes and now has to be shocked into action again once every five minutes by an incredibly powerful (laughs) pacemaker.
0: (laughs) you're really making this much darker than it needs
1: to be. Was that not the idea? (laughs) Christmas is not a dystopian world, sir.
0: It's joyful. It's the winter solstice. this is corporate Christmas. Well, yeah, okay, (laughs) fine. Having Lumen take an opposition to Marsco over the whole Christmas holiday would be kind of useful because then they could say that they're, you know, against crass commercialism and are for some weird, strange robot fox definition of holiday cheer, TM. I don't know. But, but all the corps say that. Yeah, I know that. But <laughs> they legitimately might be out to destabilize Mars That's a good But point. we
1: mean it. Moving <laughs> for the holidays. <laughs> Foxes are the official pumpkin spice animal. No. What? Yeah, yes. Foxes are pumpkin spice dogs. I didn't make this up. I can't argue with that. I don't... Where are you? I mean, someone else
0: made it up. <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay. Um, you can't make it up first. Right, I couldn't make it
0: up first. Primary skill, pilot. No? Expression? Okay, if you're going with the Santa... Well, if you're going with the trans light speed thing as a main corporate thrust, then yes. Uh, if you're going for seasonal... Or is it stealth? Long haul trucker. Yeah, but if you're taking more like the Chris Kringle cup pot cocoa sort of approach
1: then santa is not crossing the sky leaving a red and green sonic rain boom behind him so now we're into infiltration specialist i was going for milk and cookies i really don't understand where
0: you people are coming from these days security bypass engineer okay so we've established
1: that christmas is all about espionage locks don't stop santa Santa, to leave something everywhere he goes but don't worry there's a vaccine <laughs> Do
0: you mind prepping me on like what happened last? Um, no, we were kind of just establishing that, San- that Santa Corp is probably it's probably called North Star. I wanted to be a lumen based corporation. Oh, of course, so lumen based su- corporation. Someone suggests that it has a strong espionage element, so you can break into houses more easily. In that At house, election. would you get down the chimney? Not every house is a chimney, but every house needs to have a chimney, especially for North Star. But what houses in like big mega corporation mega houses are strongly lacking in the chimney department? They very much are. Uh, we have a device that will let you walk through walls, so... They also happen to have air vents. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Santa Santa uses stealth units to break through walls to give, well, to sell presents to, quote, good, unquote, little boys and girls. Although we've never been able to establish
1: what good and bad is in this universe. No, he totally leaves the presents. He, 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 he leaves them for free. If you don't want them, you just have to return them within two weeks. Oh, oh
0: okay. <laughs> like that, then you won't be billed. Santa Record Company. I do like the uh, red and green Christmas. The red and green trim on the uh, spaceships is really cute, and the uh, the jingle sound is nice. That's what it was. The no clip system. Oh, is that what they call it? Yes. Oh, the one that let Santa face through walls.
6: Yes. Does it cover the giant bag of treats? As long as the wall that you're facing through is a 3D printed wall, yeah, you walk right through it. Oh, okay. What happens if it's not a 3D printed wall? You run into it. Oh. Oh, there goes Santa. I mean, this is a Lumen Santa we're talking about. He might just go through the wall anyway, but with a very nice Santa-shaped hole. <laughs> it's not Lumen, that's Coyote. <laughs> from, from the Roadrunner cartoons.
0: <laughs> okay, this, this conversation is clearly circling the sink again.
6: <laughs> yes. I mean, the other option is to be a TTI Santa. Because that allows a completely different way of being in every household in the same night.
0: True, you just like resonate throughout the entire cosmos and then illuminate people's Christmas scenes
1: with with your presence. And while not every every house has a chimney, every house does have a small fusion reactor, which is also a way of getting in that nobody expects. The stockings were hung
0: by the chimney in perfect parallel precision according to the crystal matrices that were established long ago. (laughs) The stockings arranged themselves by the... (laughs) With a cute little chirping noise!
6: Oh, the stockings arranged themselves as well as the chimney in your wall. <laughs> the Stockings arranged themselves by the chimney with care. And then they ate the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the fireplace has these huge fangs. It's like a mimic from D&D. Why do we go here? Okay. Do the stockings stop arranging themselves after Christmas? <laughs> well, yeah. Like Hopefully. Two, two weeks after, like by New
0: Year's, you're supposed to be finished with this stuff. You just
6: keep washing them until they don't come back. You just die in a pool of <laughs> lint. Okay. On that note. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's just
6: hope they don't grow legs again. Merry Christmas. No,
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's
1: Information is fed into their minds in a constant stream.
0: Two solo pieces from Radio Free Deimos hosts now a uh, fiction from Mashtar and some thoughts from Wines. Ashtar's piece will call Santa Hamburgers, and from Wines, his own thoughts on coming home, more literally than metaphorically. Incidentally, Wines uses the word megacity a fair number of times for thinking of megastructures here. Actually, he says he's thinking about 40k.
6: Why don't we celebrate Christmas? Oh, you've been reading the research archives. Well, hold on to your tail, rookie. There's a simple enough story behind that one. See, nobody wants a visit on Christmas from Santa anymore. Sure, once upon a time, all those stories you've been reading about? Jolly old fat man, presents for all the children, celebration and joy and all that? Sure. Hard to imagine now, kind of like all the buy spots having a flash sale at once, right? Yeah. Read that a bit deeper. The rituals and the oral histories, they, they don't all agree. Sometimes they're they're magical stories. Squeezing down chimneys and into locked houses, visiting every house in a single night, flying on a sled, pulled by reindeer. What? No. No, not vectors, of course. And no, I don't know what they think of that. But anyway, spreading cheer and joy, yeah? But then there's the other stories. These chunks of coal... What? Look, don't ask me. They burned that stuff for power. Maybe it's are the bad children to work. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. That, that doesn't make sense either. Anyways... Other times, children could be kidnapped, taken to northern latitudes, and enslaved, or were forced to dance, or several other horrible things. And it's all in the archives. <laughs> Quick, aren't you, Rookie? Yeah. Sounds like Hydra. Well, it wasn't Hydra, was it? Well, no. Until it was. See, Hydra can imprint abstracts, too, if you recall. And the holidays? Turned out to be a very weird abstract, once you view it from a few out, Starships catching sight of weird space objects that almost, almost looked like an open sleigh pulled by abominations, stuff appearing in people's houses, sometimes useful, more often looking like ears ripped from something, or someone, and sometimes people just vanishing from their beds or leaving explosions of gore behind. But you know, at the end of the day, it did seem to obey a few limitations. Restricted time frame, for example. Everything happened over 24 hours, but not any concept of distance. Everything happening... Everywhere, all kind of happened at the same time. And of course, transcendents don't really seem to get the concept of good or bad, so nobody could ever find any patterns. But yeah, what can you do? Not much, it turns out. Classify the whole thing, make people we'll forget, turn people's attention to sales and sports and other modern day distractions, opiate the masses and all that, and block the past away. Don't talk about it, don't think about it, and whatever you do, don't write a letter or say his name. That's the surest way to... What? No, I didn't. When? Oh, shit. Recording terminated. Personal recording recovered by Transcendentivit cleanup crew. Anamaxian Cluster, Saturn Ice Ring. Classified.
1: Hi, Wines here. One of the things I was thinking about when Kerbo was talking about the holidays is where we're from, because part of holidays is family, uh, making social connections, and part of that is your home. There's some big picture versions of that, like if you're from a grotto, if you're from Mars, if you're from Venus, those have a big effect on you. But in the smaller picture too, just where do you live? Do you live in a city? Do you live in an apartment? What is your actual home? That could take a lot of different forms depending on what your family is. I mean, your family might be your corporation. Your family might be a clan. Your family might be a nuclear family. Some of the places that you live might be places familiar to somebody from the 21st century, like an apartment. Um, maybe you live on the frontier and ha- have a home you built yourself. There are other parts of that that people in the past wouldn't be so used to. If you live in a a grotto or a megacity, the obvious parts of it are the parts built for people to live in. But what are the attics? What are the basements? What are the crawl spaces? When you're a kid growing up, you explore all different parts of the place you live in, and you you make those yours. I mean, I have a lot of memories of of those. I, I have, memories of appliances I was ter- terrified by or had kind of relationships with in, in that way. And the, the, the noises of a clothes washing machine that I was convinced at one point, I, I'd thrill myself with the notion that it's gonna chase me up the stairs. So I'd run up out of the basement as fast as I could. What would that look like in a mega city? Because your basement in a mega city is, is not just the bottom of your house. It, it could be a whole bunch of places which you should not be going. What else do you find there? Particularly, one one of the things I was thinking about with this is, if you're a micro, imagine the number of places you could be. I mean, you could find all sorts of places to be that ordinary vectors wouldn't even consider livable spaces. <laughs> Another place that one could have in a house, I think, a room which is a fascinating slice of the of the family's history is the attic, the place where you stick stuff. Even in a world where everything is replaceable and can be synthesized, you still hold on to things for just sentimental reasons. In the 21st century, people hold on to old stuff, old video games. Addicts have all sorts of things that even if they are replaceable, just no one ever made the decision to to pull the trigger and get rid of it. And it's something that was owned by your, your great-grandmother. You find out very interesting things about, about your family, but what you find in your attic. And your attic, again, isn't necessarily just the unused room on the top or bottom of your individual dwelling. Spaceships have been around for centuries, and there's a lot of space. If, if you want to put stuff somewhere cheap because it's not that important, there's a lot of space in orbit. I mean, how many ships are parked up there waiting for a a recall order? That, that never will because they've gone dead because maybe even the people who own them have forgotten about them the codes are gone who knows what kind of belongings are left up there alistair reynolds in his books blue earth remembered and poseidon's wake has an interesting side story there of a woman tracking down her information about her grandmother which leads her to a a structure that grandmother had left in, or- in orbit in, in a ship. And there's a lot of things that she finds out about her family when she explores that. I think that's fascinating. The spaces that we don't think of the primary spaces, they aren't the front-facing sp- spaces in the places that we live. And as I said, in, in the instance of the, of the spaceships, a room that you own in, in frontier times, you might have the shack out of the, e- the edge of your territory. In modern times, there's no space for a shack, but again, you could put stuff up in orbit. You could put stuff in a storage unit. Storage units contain all sorts of amazing stories. What what, what parts of a character's family might be contained in there? What might they learn about their background? What might they learn about where they've come from? And they're also probably fairly scary places because you don't know to what to expect. You don't know what you're going to find there. Aside from things jumping out and biting your head, there are a lot of surprises you could find there, and not all of them are good. These old dusty spaces give us information about our community, our family, maybe even ourselves, and I think they're fascinating places to explore, and I think they're places that you might come in contact with after a long time when you're back with your family. And so that's that's one of the things that I think about when I think about holidays. It's physical archaeology of your own family. And I think that's kind of neat. Now I have a riddle.
2: What's soft and round, and you put it on the end of a stick and toast it in the fire, and it's green.
0: One of my personal interests, which I don't get to indulge in very often in our fandom, is religious studies and Christian folklore. So I love chatting with Navy mongoose who wrote a piece on Good Friday for our HSD Content Archive last Easter. Or, last Good Friday. Two pieces to close the holiday season with. Navy Mongoose talks about keeping faith in a secular cosmos with candles. And finally, my puppy Heath has become our unofficial and unhelpful fifth host over the year. He and my sister Angelica join me for A Candle for Mars Co. And from all the hosts, including Heath, we wish you a year of community, post-scarcity, lots of critical successes in life and at the table, and as few dystopian elements as possible. Merry holiday of choice, and even though it brings us one step closer to the nuclear annihilation of the species, the happiest of new years. And thanks.
5: This day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Exodus chapter 12, verse 14 Hello everyone, I'm Navy Mongoose, and you might remember my article on Corbeau's site about a possible future for Catholicism in the universe of Hic sunt Draconis. Today I want to get into the holiday spirit and discuss Do Vectors Celebrate Holidays? Before we can explore this, we should first understand the situation of faith, and spiritual belief in this setting. Corbeau has posted an excellent discussion on the Radio Free Dima site, but to summarize, the dominant corporate culture has co-opted whatever fragments of religious festivals survive the loss of Earth. Christmas seems particularly prone to this capture, as it's already highly commercialized in our day. One can easily imagine Marsco taking this a step further and turning the whole season into a humongous consumerist extravaganza. Why only give one day when you can give on all the days? More gifts, more shopping, more celebration. This message is brought to you by Marsco. Buy our stuff. However, the dominance of the corporations doesn't mean that there aren't some who take another path. Some who realize the inherent emptiness of a life focused merely on consumption. Maybe these people dig around in some old books and learn about how things used to be done, what people used to believe. Maybe they've grown tired of the hustle and bustle of modern life and want something more, something fulfilling. Maybe they've even been raised in an ancient tradition and they've come into the world to build something of that tradition somewhere, somehow. Whatever their origins, they will be rather lonely. There's not a lot of room for old traditions in this world, and wherever they go, there is a lot of pressure to conform to the prevailing materialistic culture. Yet in some ways, this isolation might serve to increase their faith even more. By sheer necessity, they would have to have strong devotion, because that's what they need to maintain the integrity of their beliefs. In many ways, the vectorized future is similar to Roman times when a scattered roof of believers had to endure amidst a whole empire that told them, no. We can imagine some of these individuals trying to swim against the tide as they walk down the street, turning their heads away from the ever-present ads and promotions and bargains. Sometimes they'll crush a prayer card, maybe even a rosary, or maybe they'll just shore up the life of the mind ignoring sales, contemplating sacrifice, reading books. The very idea of sacrifice stands in contrast to the corporate ethos, which, at its best, advocates only for self-actualization. The corporations advocate buying and taking, but these traditions say to sell and to give. You can almost imagine, then, these believers watching, wandering the corporate towns, doing good, giving comfort to the lowest of the low, or trying to right wrongs whenever they find them. Sometimes something more can happen. Sometimes these hidden believers meet and have fellowship and start communities and families. Then the real work begins. Flyers shipped into the hands of passers-by, podiums rented to preach about another way, about the truth that was forgotten but no longer. They might even begin the process of reversing this Cultural capture, reinterpreting the prevailing customs of vector society to have a new meaning, one more compatible with their strange beliefs. We have seen this happen already with traditions like Christmas trees, so it's not unlikely that it would happen again, this time with conscious intent. Even as they develop more complex expressions of faith and absorb new practices and customs, these believers would persist in the core of their practices. The steadfast knowledge in the divinity that cares for each and every one of them and promises to protect them if they do but one thing and believe.
0: Okay, your mother wants 10 minutes to herself, so I have to read you something and not my blog apparently. So what's it going to be? um please no not the not the candle book it's it's lovingly fascist and glosses over huge chunks of history and how can you make a two-sided genocide sound like a hamburger commercial i just i just don't and and the rhymes look anything else just not not the candle book count the bunnies that pg has a new power suit Everybody's a people, even blips. Uh, the, uh, the rhymes, they're so bad. Like, why do that to I am the codrameter? And I don't even want to talk about the scansion.
1: Read the damn candle book.
0: Okay. <sighs> Fine. Nope, no, we'll read the candle book. Seven Little Candles by Eddie Llewellyn. Copyright 738. Gold leaf press, all rights reserved. <laughs> You asked for this. Okay. Fine. Ah. From world to world our people spread. The planet's jewels of blue and red that circle in the night. But for the distant world of Earth, so long ago that gave us birth. Oh, look, poetic enjammin', We light these little flames tonight. Seven lights remind us of the centuries gone by. of friend's long years departed, the debts we cannot hope repay, the gift of our beginning, tiny flames to celebrate Unification Day. The gold light burns for a creature made, not born, both animal and man, partly human yet a world apart, the sphinx whose roar would change the world. The more would come. She was the first. A human face. A lion heart. And there she is there. The Sphinx. Just like on the building. And all the animal people. They're a lot like you. Yes, they are. Their forms were new but not so strange. To care. To wait. To wag. To serve. To walk with humans were they made. With vector shapes and gentle hearts. The gold flame shines for these creatures too. Love shines bright and burns and fades. Next, we light a candle blue. Remembering our distant friends who looked beneath the fur to find that cats and dogs and humans shared their joy, their love, their world. Perhaps being human was a state of mind. And the animal people and the humans all hold hands. And this is probably the only time this has ever happened. But so much change and so much strange was too much of a much to stand. For every friend with open hand, another frowned and raged and cried he would not share his little world, would kill instead of understand. (coughs) Oh, I I know it's very sad. But it was a long time ago and they didn't know better. Ah, If it actually happened. Nope, sorry, no more editorializing. When anger turned from rage to war, Terra's kings raised weapons up against the corpse to slay or slave them. Hope seemed lost, the dark too strong. Hate would claim what science made, but a scientist would save them. So many gentle hearts were still on this darkest Terran night, But like a single brilliant star can cut the dark, one loving heart Heard their pain and heard their cries, and they raised their eyes to Mars. And there's the scientists sending everything they knew about vectors up to Mars. It just takes one person to make a big difference. Maybe your mother. Not me. I got a liberal arts degree. Tonight we light a candle. That night they wrote a note. Of grief and pain. Of fire and hope. And sent it flying across space. And with it the Sphinx's secrets. To save life and to make life. And give a future to the vector race. Candles gold and blue and white, remind us of the ancient home of candles gold and blue and white, remind us of the ancient home of beast and man and vectors too. Now candles orange and green and grey for gifts greater than we can say, these we light this special night, for the gifts Mars gave to me and you uh... Gifts of food and plenty, gifts pulled from the earth. Marsko gave the vectors all. None would hunger, none would thirst. Gifts of science, making, building. Marsko gave the vectors all. And all their needs fulfilling. Is that even poetry? I, I just, I just, I don't, uh, I don't know. The candle orange now joins the glow The greatest gifts Mars could bestow Gifts of freedom, gifts of hope Gifts of each other to embrace A tribe, a name, the vector race Marsco gave the vectors all Marsco gave the vectors all Now we get to your candle Yeah, it's Mommy picked it out It's brown and stripey, just like you I don't ask questions anymore one candle now for you to light, on Terra's darkest and longest night. What color, blue or red or white, maybe you will know. Six candles light our dusty past, this last one shines for you at last, for your tomorrow coming fast. And these candles all aglow, tell the story of our years, of light and darkness, hope from fear. Of freedom's bought with prices dear, and how far we've come, and how far we'll go. Okay. Do you think you're gonna sleep for a while? No? Well, that's probably Mom's problem, isn't it? Okay.